The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. In celebration of their newly launched WCI newsstand platform, Wing Chun Illustrated is giving listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast a free one-month all-access subscription. Go to wcinewsstand.com and click the register button in the upper right corner. Use voucher code FREE4U. That's F-R-E-E, the number four, and the letter U, all caps. Don't forget to activate your account by clicking the link in the welcome message. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Hey Alex, how are you, brother? Doing good, man. How you been? Doing okay, you know. Uh, as my friend Alex says, I'm busier than a one-legged man in an ass skating contest or some fucking thing. Like that. <laughs> that's right. That's my that's my <laughs> famous line. Uh, one of my very old students used to say that uh, he had like a, he was like a personal trainer, a bodybuilder, and had a barber shop, and he used to he used to go. say that all the time. So. I uh, I can't take credit for, it, but it is it is a pretty great way to describe it. So yeah, you've been working like a maniac lately. Yeah, I've been working you know a lot of extra a lot of hours and and it's been busy. So uh, I uh, you know it is what it is. I'm, I'm being an adult, making making shit happen. Right, right. Yeah, the the quarantine's a weird time. Um, I think we talked about it before, especially in the first few weeks. It just felt like there was no time in the day. Like you're so busy. And at the end of the day, you're like, Ugh. and then suddenly you're doing it again. And it's like this kind of endless cycle. And it just took me, I think, the last couple of weeks to finally feel like, all right, I have a new rhythm now. Like, this is what my life is like now. And right. kind of finally like into it. And I've been getting, you know, in a, a really productive flow lately. So um, but it, it took a while because it was just like at the end of the day, I did 100 things, but didn't finish anything. And it just felt like, oh, there was just such a grind, man. So hopefully uh people are enjoying all the extra content we provided for them uh so that they can get through this we've had a bunch of patreon stuff and uh a few other episodes and some videos here and there um you just didn't you just recently release another jkd blueprint uh for uh, the yes supporters? yep not too long ago a couple of, i think last weekend i think john did it that's awesome that's yeah awesome. yeah yeah I'm, I, I'm actually enjoying it you know it's like i one thing i don't like is I don't like speaking by myself. I, I I feel like I don't I don't have a I don't I don't own that skill set. You know I uh, I like talking with people. Yes. So I may change things up and make it that I record it with somebody else just to talk to. Because right. I kind of feel like when I talk to somebody, I just can talk and be comfortable. But when it's just me and the microphone, I'm just so uncomfortable. It's like. It's just not me. I, you know, I, yeah, I, don't I can know imagine that is. that's a that's a skill set like anything. I, I I was an only child, so I spend most of my childhood talking to myself. There you <laughs> so go. It's not that much of an issue. Yet. But yeah, I mean, some it's also the same thing with other podcasts, right? There are people um, who do podcasts like solo where they basically just talk the whole time. And there are other people who do it like like we do with a partner and yeah, it takes a certain type of person to do one type. Like, did you ever see Chris Christalia's 
podcast. He's like, a, he just talks like for an hour. The comedian, uh, Chris Del, Delia, 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 yeah. And his podcast is amazing, but he literally just sits there. He cracks himself up and he's so funny and he comes up with this stuff right. off the top of his head. And I really envy people. Who can do that? Because I, I can talk about Wing Chun for an hour, but I can't like be funny for an hour without you know with someone to bounce off of. It's really like an amazing skill set, I think. You know who else is good? That's a great podcast like that. Bill Barr. Oh yeah, he's good too. I've heard him a few times. Bill Barr is, has a great podcast, the weekly podcast, and he's another stand-up comedian, and he's just and he just talks about shit. He just talks about like um, whatever's, whatever's going, going on, on or right. And it's funny as fuck, man. It's just great shit. Uh, speaking of other podcasts, so uh, I, I don't know if I told you this, but uh, yesterday or the day before, I don't all the days are blending in now. <laughs> like, I'm like, was that yesterday? Was that Wednesday? I don't know. Um, I did another quarantine conversations for Dudes of Kung Fu with a good friend of mine, and he's also a Patreon supporter. His name is AJ Riccardi. He's a kickboxer out of L.A., um, competitive kickboxer and he lived in China for five years and he's a huge Kung Fu movie fan and so we recorded a, a, a pretty interesting uh, uh, quarantine conversation for dudes and then he's going to have me on his podcast nice. next week which is the Martial Arts Mania podcast so shout out to Martial Arts Mania podcast out there in LA and AJ he's totally awesome said a lot of really great things about you so you know I was almost blushing like he he was like he, he he's a total mega fan like it's it's weird to meet people who of the podcast like, yeah who like you know because most of the people listen to the podcast in my world know me or know you and knew right. us before the podcast but it's interesting to find all these people who have found us through the podcast through and the that's podcast, how they yeah. and that's how they know us and it's really interesting because he like knew a bunch of stuff from different episodes that you talked about and I talked about we chatted on Instagram about oh, this that's kind of funny. stuff and yeah, it's 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 crazy, yeah. So it's, it's super cool. So uh, shout out to AJ. Uh, looking forward to the quarantine conversation coming out, uh, maybe in the next a week or two, and then also totally looking forward to being on his podcast. So that was yeah, that happened. That happened to me at a seminar once. I went to a seminar at um, Richard Torres's place in upstate New York, and um, Steve Golden was teaching the seminar, and I'm just I'm standing in the back, being the fat bastard that I am when everybody was walking in and it was so funny so some guy comes in signs in and he walks past me stops turns around and goes are you big sean madigan so i says yeah he goes i love your podcast he's like holy <laughs> shit he's like my day is complete <laughs> like he took that's, pictures with me and everything it was so pretty funny, funny. Yeah, it, 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 it is it is interesting because, you know, normally if anyone knows who we are, it's it's either like through our martial arts teaching, but now right, it's yeah. like we have we have this new thing. It happened to me uh, in Hong Kong in two thousand seventeen when I went with a bunch of my students. Uh, I went with Antonio who you know and a bunch of my students and now I, I'm not like I'm not like a party person or anything like that. But when I'm in Hong Kong with my students I like to show them a good time. So like we, we went out to a bar one night and we're there and like this <laughs> This guy comes up to me and he's like, are you, are you Alex Richter from Dudes of Kung Fu? In the middle of Hong Kong, like it's some random bar. You know, like, <laughs> and my, my students were all like super proud. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's our seafood. Yeah, he's got a podcast, too. And it was very, it was very funny. And he was, like funny. From, he was like from Finland or something like that. Oh, wow. And he okay, was a, cool. A Wing Chun practitioner who was in Hong Kong getting some training in the – in the Wong Sun Leung line. And so, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was, it was, was a lot of fun. Speaking of Wong Sun Leung line, I did a uh, quarantine 
conversation with David Peterson just recently. Um, I, who, I, I uh, know. I, I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet, but I will. It's pretty awesome. I I, um, I had a really good time doing it. Um, kind of old time listeners know that we had we had uh, Sifu Peterson on. That was our first season, wasn't it? I think so. Probably season one or season two. Yeah, but it was, I mean, it was a long time ago. I mean, was a very early episode. So I think a lot of people who have come to the podcast since that time don't know that like we had some guests in some of those very early episodes. That was yeah, one was of like, the. I think that was one of the one of the ones that like put us on the map a little bit, like. Having see having Sifu Peterson on, I think generated a lot of new listeners for us because yeah, you know, listen, sure. he he garners a lot of, and earns a lot of respect in the Wing Chun community, and um, him being gracious enough to uh, join our podcast that day was yeah. awesome. I mean, I was like, you know, I was like a sixteen-year-old girl talking to Justin Bieber. I get <laughs> it, but you know, it was uh, it was really cool. I thought that was really nice of him. Yeah, I'm probably going to jinx it, but the uh, quarantine conversation, which was for Dudes of Kung Fu, I also made a, a YouTube video of the conference so people can either listen to it here on the podcast stream or they can watch it on the Kung Fu Genius channel. Um, it's the only video of all my videos that doesn't have any dislikes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Wing Chun, Wing Chun is so polite. Dude, it's crazy. Uh, a, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I did a video because my Seabok, Elman Leung, passed away from cancer. And he was uh, my Kung Fu uncle, uh, one of the most senior students of Sifu Leung Ting, the, the most senior student of Sifu Leung Ting in the oh, U.S. Wow. And he originally started training with Grandmaster Yip Man as a teenager in the 60s. And oh, that's he, nice. he told me the story was very funny because uh, Grandmaster Yip Man, uh, it was the Wing Chun Athletic Association had just opened. It was like a new thing, 1966, 1967, something like that. And Yip, uh, Grandmaster Yip Man wanted to have kind of new blood. So they uh, promoted very heavily to get younger people to come and join. I guess Grandmaster Yip Man was tired of the of the old farts hanging around there just talking, and he they wanted to get some young blood. So they advertised very heavily to, like, high school and college-age kids to come. And Elman Leung joined based on that marketing campaign. And since it was at the Wing Chun Athletic Association, he joined. Yip Man was his sifu because Yip Man was teaching. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, and so he started his first, I, I think it was like six or nine, months he was learning there and then he took a very short break for schools he had to like study for an exam or something so he was out for a couple months and then when he came back Yip Man had put Leung Ting in charge of teaching at the Wing Chun Athletic Association because he basically once he had retired he didn't want to teach anymore and then Leung Ting became the new uh, chief instructor of the Wing Chun Athletic Association around 1968 or something like that and so um Elman Leung came back and it was like Yip Man was like introducing this young guy named Leung Ting. And he's like, OK, this is the guy who's going to teach here now. I'll see you guys later and kind of peaced out. <laughs> and then El Elman Leung basically just started following Leung Ting after that time. Although wow, technically, wow. technically Yip Man was a Sifu, but he was, you know, more or less trained by Leung Ting primarily through until 1974. And uh, so loyal to Leung Ting for his teachings that he always called Sifu Leung Ting as Sifu, even though he very rightly could claim Yip Man was his Sifu, which is interesting because you consider there are people who knew Yip Man for 10 minutes and they're going to tell you they were his sworn disciple. Sure, and he was sure. somebody who legitimately learned from him <clears throat> and whom Yip Man was legitimately a Sifu. And, but he, he chose to call Leung Ting a Sifu because he knew that was the guy who really trained him the most. And so right. my, my Sibak was a super, super humble guy. 
And um, he was also responsible for teaching me some amazing things in long pole and advanced footwork. And he totally changed the way I did footwork in Wing Chun by teaching me two things, which are staple of my program today. But they like, you know, sometimes you get this little hack and it changes sure. everything, right? And so Sivu Elmans uh, was kind, he kind of gave me a bunch of these light bulbs that changed the way I looked at things. And so he passed away, um, not from COVID, uh, but he had cancer for a number of years. I saw him last year in San Francisco. I came by, I stopped by, we had a snack. I had no idea that would be the last time I had seen him. And so I, you know, when I found out that he passed away, I wanted to make a video kind of telling him what I would have said to him if, if I knew that it was the last time I would have seen him, right? Sure. And so, um, and that video got two dislikes. Uh, one from the very famous YouTube troll, uh, the one we have we have discussed before, that, that right. famous guy, who also wrote like a very nasty comment in there. And it's really? one thing, it, it, yeah, it's one thing if a troll writes a comment, like if I make a video about Wing Chun technique, it's always like, oh, Leung Ting is bullshit, or, or WG is bullshit, whatever. Like, I totally get that. But this right. was literally a video where I'm talking about my Sibak who had passed away, and this guy's talking about, yeah, he always calls Leung Ting Leung Thug, because, you know, we have a reputation for smacking other people around, I guess. Um, and uh, he's like, and he's like, yeah, you little thug. The, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree or whatever and it's like dude this is a this is a video about someone who passed away you can go ahead and try to clown me when i don't know when i discuss the Yeet man interview or something else but it's like it just shows you like the depth of depravity of some people but see david peterson's interview is the only one that doesn't have a single Fine. dislike he, he, even even the one about the death of my seabock has two dislikes on it which is like unbelievable right um but uh yeah but like, so, okay so, so i have to so call you a thug is just ridiculous. Like, listen, there's a plenty of adjectives I could use to describe you to piss you <laughs> off. I mean, I can. Are you Bert or Ernie with that fucking haircut? Like, but both actually. <laughs> but thuggish, you're not thug. I'm not, I mean, and I mean this yes. as a compliment because to me, thug is not something anybody wants to aspire to be. You're right. not thuggish. I've never seen you go around and act tough. To you're gonna beat people up. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, it, it's like one of those things like, oh, you come from Leung Ting, so you therefore whatever. But the interesting thing is because we know who this this uh, this Clown guy is. is behind the scenes, we know we know who he is. Um, he, he got smacked around by a WT guy in the mid 2000s when he visited this uh. guy's school and and he wanted to train there, but he didn't want to train in the WT system. He wanted to go to this guy's school and basically show everybody what he did. And it's like, right. well, why are you here? And he got smacked around by someone who's not even the best WT guy in the U.S. And ever since then, he's had this axe to grind. And then he created this, you know, persona of, of who he is online. And, and he hasn't stopped since. It's it's really it's Norman Bates level at this point, you know. So, uh, so I didn't yeah. know if you down like if you hit like a, a thumbs down, it tells you the person that, that did it. No, 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 it, it doesn't. But um I it, the oh. the only the first dislike I got was simultaneous to this guy's comment. The comment, right? Of course. Yeah. So right. so I can I can put two sure, and two together absolutely. and figure right, it out, right? right. Uh, and and you know and the other guy I don't know the other dislike is probably I don't know some some fake WT grandmaster who has felt you know uh, <laughs> maybe uh, that he was the target of one of my older videos or something like that who knows but anyway the seafood David Peterson video so far as of today no dislikes <laughs> so making it a first of all my videos <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> which is pretty awesome although I actually I think the one I did with my daughters where we talk about like the kung fu books and stuff like that I think that one doesn't have any dislikes 
dislikes either, but you know, uh, so, so goes it in the highly politicized world of Wing Chun on YouTube, right? That's awesome. So are amazing um, in this world. Yeah. Also, um, a couple things, um, the Yip Man interview I, I did, um, for our Patreon supporters, I did I did the full translation for the second <laughs> Yip Man interview with New Martial Hero. So if you're a Patreon supporter, you can actually hear that thing in full with commentary. And my wife just translated the first interview with Grandmaster Yip Man. So these are the only two English translations of both of the interviews are available to wow. Patreon supporters. Yeah, so I just sent the recording of the first interview because i did the second interview first and then the first interview i sent that to john already so that'll hit patreon soon and then today i uh, made a video on um youtube talking about it to you know let people know that's about awesome. some of the that's some awesome. of the highlights so super excited about that and i'm planning a series i think for also for our patreon supporters but um you know maybe we'll put it elsewhere you know i have this huge interest in hong kong history especially the police officers who are corrupt and also did kung fu and like this whole kind of like the triad societies in the 60s and 70s really fascinating stuff so i'm penning a series called ghosts of hong kong and um i'm basically going to tell maybe like a four hour deep dive in the history of uh hong kong gangsters uh kung fu how all these things kind of intertwined and wow. uh, really fascinating stuff. So kind of in, in the kind of uh, hardcore history way of doing things. So I already started doing it. It's really fascinating, but it's it's a lot of work. But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to doing that. That sounds incredibly interesting. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Absolutely. So I don't and have also, the uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't, I, don't, I don't have that commute anymore. I used to listen to all this stuff during my commute. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that's a real interesting point. Oddly enough, um, our uh, productivity in terms of pumping out podcasts and special material has like gone through the roof since quarantine because now we're pumping out, you know, like quarantine conversations and you're doing Patreon stuff and we're still doing right. our regular episode. Um, but my listening of podcasts has gone totally down the tubes because I have no time and I'm not right. commuting. I'm not walking to the subway. I'm not taking the train into the city. So I'm like totally behind on like uh, uh, if it's not on YouTube, uh, I'm probably not listening to it at this time, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, because I had um... – like my commute in the morning was at least an hour and a half, and my commute home was usually around two hours every night. So yes. I would listen to a lot of books and podcasts and new music and things like that during that time. And it's, you know, now I have the best commute in the world. I walk from the kitchen to the couch, but uh, <laughs> not much listening you can do at that point. Yeah, I know. I feel also everyone's getting a little like a weary of just having been in quarantine for so long. It's like, you know, we, we have a routine now, but I think like people are just like they're so itching to get outside. It's at the point now my daughters are practicing painting toenails on my toenails. Right. <laughs> so it's like we're at that point now. It's like, Daddy, I need to practice. Let me use your toenails. Sure. No one is going to see me. Who even cares? So my toenails are the both feet are different colors and they have. Uh, sparkles on them and and like flowers and everything it's amazing so it's like I, at that point right i now. saw them on facebook yeah yeah oh so, god so we're we are there already we've done the self-help haircut we've done like the okay we're gonna doll daddy up because you know they're also like going crazy because they can't go outside and stuff so um yeah it's pretty pretty wild times so what i'm thinking about doing for me is 
you know, at my job at the end at the end of every day, we um, have a I guess people like a Zoom type meeting we have at the end of every day at my job, mm -hmm. and um, I was thinking about because I have a I have a basically a, a, a crappy beard now, and I was gonna like shave parts of my hair on my head and shave parts of my beard off and not mention it. Just like totally normal. Just totally normal it. And just to see how uh You should you should shave the middle part like kind of bozo style so you only have hair on the sides and literally just not say anything. Just like <laughs> shave the middle part <laughs> and just like like leave a goatee and just be like totally like not right, exactly right. Well I was yeah, gonna, um, or, or I was gonna try and go for the whole uh Iceman Chuck Liddell look. Oh, the Mohawk. Yes, yes, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, I consider that as well. Yeah, it, it, I tell you, it's not easy. Unless you shave your head, which, you know, which you do, which is quite easy. If you have any other hairstyle, like, like I went on YouTube, like, those, like, how to give yourself a fade. I tried, was like, oh, no, just shave the, the head. Or I was like, I can't do any right. of that stuff. I have no patience for any of that stuff. Uh, right, so, exactly yeah. right. Um, also, one one other thing, too, I'm doing – um. Tomorrow, of course, by the time this podcast come out, it'll be it'll already have been done. I'm doing a Siunam Tao tutorial tomorrow, which is uh, May second on Zoom, which is open to people who want to register for it. But next week, uh, which uh, by the time this podcast has, hits, still shouldn't have happened. So May 9th, uh, which is Saturday at one p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm doing a Chung tutorial. It's an hour and 15 minutes, and basically I'm going to do about 15, 20 minutes of theory of the chum cue. People can come take notes. Oh, cool. Then, then we're going to go through the entire form in about 45 minutes. Obviously, um, it's you know for people who are just learning it or you know, or maybe they've already learned it. They want some finer points, and then like 15 minutes of Q&A at the end. So um, we had got so many people who signed up for it. I was totally blown away. Obviously, my students are going to come and do it, but like the number of people who came from outside to do it, it's really – it's it's amazing how much this quarantine has kind of changed the way we approach teaching martial arts. I mean, of course, I have right, to teach right, my own classes right. on, on on Zoom. It's not the same, but still, um, there are a lot of things like you know we can now help people who don't live in our areas because I would never have thought to do like a, a hour and a half tutorial on the Siunam Tao form um, because I'd be like, well, you could just come to my school and learn it from me. But now people can right. do the form from home. There's no reason why I can't do it through Zoom. And people can't, you know, watch that and, 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 and use it as a reference for later. So uh, it's totally expanded the way I even look at, like, communicating and teaching people who are kind of not part of the school but who could still benefit from, from that kind of instruction. So, if you know, if anyone wants to do the Chum Q tutorial or any other kind of online training, you can go to cdwt.com and sign up for it. We have a bunch of different options there from private training to, you know, one-off tutorials, special topics, whatever you guys want. Um, I'm around these days. <laughs> <laughs> so not, 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 not like I'm not busy, but we could definitely, definitely make time. It's amazing how many, I have so many European students now and students from all over the U S um, it's, it's really incredible people I wouldn't have otherwise met. So, um, that is, I guess one kind of cool thing that came out of this is now we're open to, you know, we're, we're opening ourselves up a lot more to people who otherwise wouldn't have, you know, tried to come and learn from us cause they don't live near us. Sure. So there's literally no excuse to yes. uh, now. Here's a here's a question which I should have asked you off the air. But I'm gonna put you on mm -hmm. the spot anyway. Whatever, go ahead. I mean, uh, we can have John edit it out if it's bad. Okay. Would would it bother you, or is it acceptable if someone who's taking lessons from you 
from Otomo, Iowa, are they, are, can they call you Sifu? Like, or, like, is there that teacher-student relationship? Or, I, uh, you know, I, again, I don't, I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot here. I, no, not at all. Yeah, I, when you say you're going to put me on the spot, I thought you were going to, <laughs> and then you asked me, they don't, first of all, uh, I'm very traditional in certain ways, and in other ways, I'm, I'm a lot less so. Um, yeah, that's an interesting thing, because I, there have been some, people who are now doing online training with me i would say 90 at least 90 percent of them have already done some wing chun before and most of them are like former wt maybe they learned from uh, right. some sifu who used to teach in the states so they, they already have some wt specific experience and i'm kind of you know helping them along and and kind of fixing the sins of past instructors um but uh, I do have like one or two people who just started doing private lesson with me who had never done Wing Chun before. And so that was an interesting thing because I was thinking about that. I go like, well, okay, in a traditional sense, you know, um, every Wing Chun student needs to have a Sifu, right? And you have one Sifu and that's kind of usually, usually it, right? But in my New York school, I'm not uh, I'm not the Sifu for the new students who join. That's my student, uh, Sifu Craig Savino. He's the head instructor of my school. I only teach the instructors, or I'll teach beginners privately, but I'm not like the guy teaching the lesson, like the day one lesson, right? Right. So, but here online, I am the guy teaching day one lessons to some people, right? But um, we haven't actually established any policy on that. I mean, for me, um, if people just want to come and they want to take some lessons with me and they want to learn some basic stuff, I have no problem teaching that. And that has no – I don't feel there's a need for me to go, okay, now I'm your Sifu and you're my Todai or whatever. If that right. person started coming to New York regularly after this quarantine time is done – and then started to become a serious student. Yeah, then of course we we could formalize the relationship. But right, you know, right. I, I teach tons of people who are not my toad eyes. They're not even my sure, sure. Uh Maybe I'm just their sizok or their sibat, or, or maybe I'm a parallel to them within the lineage or whatever. But um, yeah, that's an interesting thing. But uh, I, I did think about that the other day. But so far, you know, for me, it's about how serious you are. Anyone can take some lessons online, but like, you know, are you actually going to put in the time to come in and be able to do it? Um, right. Because I, uh, although I'll teach people online, even especially instructors, I, I would never certify someone through online sure, training. Sure, no, of course, right, right, Held right. a gun to my head, I wouldn't do that. So right. it's a difference between, I feel basically what I do is give online tutorials, but I'm not um, giving, you know, traditional instruction. It's like, I, 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 like, you, I like the term tutorial because that's right. kind of what I'm doing. Like become online, you're kind of like the Wing Chun coach. Exactly, exactly. You're coaching Which people why, through. Yeah, I mean, I teach mostly people who are, uh, quite honestly, most of the people I teach are already instructors. I teach some very high-level people from mm, mostly Europe because there's not a lot of high-level people in WT in the States. There's some, but uh, not many. Um, so, yeah, I'm teaching. I even it, What's interesting is I'm teaching someone uh, who is uh, French, but um, he doesn't speak English, but he speaks German. <laughs> so oh. I, I'm a, so I'm actually teaching him in German, uh, which is interesting. Because of course, I can speak German, but it's it's just funny to have to teach someone who is not German in German because that's the only common language we have. So it's it's uh, that's pretty it's funny. A, it's kind of a funny thing. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of my uh, uh, you know I, I I was married before, as some some people know, uh, way back in the day. My my first wife was from. Taiwan and we met in Germany she was an exchange student and when we first met she could not speak any English 
so since we were in, she, she was studying German uh, in Heidelberg. So when we first met, our common language was German. She couldn't speak any English. So uh -huh. she was from Taiwan. I didn't speak any Mandarin. Uh, so we spoke German to each other, and that was our common language. And when she came to the States and then we got married for the first six months or so, she couldn't speak English. We only spoke German. And I can't tell you how many people would hear us speaking German, come up to me and go, I didn't know you know how to speak Chinese. Because they assumed because she was Chinese and we right. were speaking a foreign language that that language was Chinese. But it was so, I mean, how do you mistake German and Chinese, right? Yeah, but it was, really. like this, it was like this mental thing where it's like, oh, she's Asian. You're speaking some foreign language. You must be speaking some kind of Chinese, right? And uh, that was, <laughs> but if, if it only happened once or twice, I wouldn't have remembered it. That happened all the time. It was mind-blowing. By so, the way, folks, the first American phrase she learned was, I can't deal with this shit anymore. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was the last phrase that she learned. <laughs> oh, God. Awesome, awesome. So we have uh, we had we had some kind of uh, email or uh, yes. uh, query from one of our one of our listeners, and I think one of me maybe one of our supporters too, right? Is uh, Joshua McCowan wrote okay. in uh, to the dudes of kung fu, Sean and Alex. Oh, I like that he put me first. Now I really want to answer this question. You wrote Sean and <laughs> Sean and age, Alex. Age before beauty. This is true. Maybe he did it by weight. In boxing, I was taught to only strike with the first two knuckles. In Wing Chun, or at least the Moy outline, I was taught to aim with the middle of my fist. I have heard Alex say, always hit with the bottom knuckles. What is right? Is the vertical or horizontal fist the difference? I love the podcast. Thank you, Joshua McCown. So, I can't or won't speak to the... Uh, the Moyat, however they're gonna punch, they're gonna punch. Although that's my lineage, I just I've made like a policy amongst myself to not mention Moyat lineage in, in anything. Um, so I'm only gonna speak in terms of punching in general and Jikundo, and we'll let Alex deal with the Wing Chun end end of this. How I look at it is that. Um, in J in as far as JKD goes, we hit with our bottom three knuckles. For there's a reason we hit with the bottom three knuckles, and it's it's often confused with something. People have said to me like, "Oh, okay, so why don't you hit with the top two the top two knuckles like a boxer does a boxer's jab?" And I'll say because a boxer doesn't keep his a heavy elbow, an elbow down. What's more important to me than the knuckles is that the elbow has to be down. With the elbow down, the only correct structure, structure in my mind and experience is to hit with the bottom three knuckles. So we hit with the bottom three knuckles, not because we want to hit with the bottom three knuckles. We hit with the bottom three knuckles because we want to hit with our elbow down, with a heavy elbow. And the heavy elbow dictates hitting with the bottom three knuckles. And, and it just seems to make more sense, you know? Now, if, you, if, if you're not going to use a heavy elbow, then I can see a boxer's jab with that front two knuckles because I see it can be structurally sound. 
<clears throat> However, I really think the bottom three knuckles with a vertical fist, that was the question initially that I always got confused with, was vertical versus horizontal fist. Why do we use a vertical fist, not a horizontal fist? People think, is the argument vertical versus horizontal? And that's not the real argument. The argument is heavy elbow versus not heavy elbow. So a heavy elbow will lead you to a vertical fist. A vertical fist will lead you to hitting with the bottom three knuckles, in my mind. So don't think of it in terms of the elbow back, uh, the finger, the knuckles back. Think of, think of it in terms of the elbow out. If, if the most important thing in the alignment of the punch is that heavy elbow for that hip-elbow fist connection and for clearing the line, that will lead you to hitting with the bottom three knuckles for a structurally sound punch. And at least that's Jake. That's the JKD touch on it that I, you know, that's my take on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, in terms of what you just said, that was a very solid and very sound explanation. Um, there are, like anything else, you know, it, it all depends on how much of a geek you want to get into stuff. You could totally go into the weeds about the bottom three knuckle landing. Um, but essentially what you just said there about the uh, the heavy low elbow position lends itself one to the vertical fist and two to the bottom three knuckle landing and it obviously makes a lot of sense bruce lee's uh fist fighting theories in jeet kune do were obviously influenced by a number of factors but also very clearly by the wing chun training and bruce lee was also someone who was a big fan of jack dempsey's book championship fighting uh which came out in 1952 that was one of his favorite books and as a matter of fact his inch punch is highly stylized after jack dempsey's drop step um, because the way that bruce lee did the inch punch is not necessarily the the standard way that most wing chun people show it bruce did it with a pitch landing into his with his weight landing into the front leg which is right. literally exactly how jack dempsey shows you to do it in the book now um everything you said is 100 legit uh obviously Within Wing Chun, there's a little bit of disagreement. Now, most of the Wing Chun people, and of course, I'm, this is not like a scientific poll that I'm, I'm pulling from, you know, you know, double blind data here. But if you if, I have a fair amount of Wing Chun books. OK, let's just put it to you that way. And, and so if you if you take all of my Wing Chun books and you try to find where, uh, you know, OK, what knuckles are you supposed to land with? You're probably going to find that. Um, you know, a solid 90% of them, probably more, are going to tell you to land on the with the bottom three knuckles. And you're going to find, you know, 10%, most likely less, are going to tell you to hit with the middle two. But well, I've talked to Sifu Chanchi Man, you know, early period student of Grandmaster Yip Man, bottom three knuckles. Bruce Lee, obviously proponent of bottom three knuckles. Most of the Yip Man system is about the bottom three knuckles. You have a couple people who say mid two. Now, the fist in Chinese martial arts has its own anatomy. Okay, now obviously this is for most people. This is an audio podcast. This isn't a video podcast. Um, so it's, it's difficult to explain. This would be a lot easier with a video explanation. But if you hold your fist... And you look at the uh, the back part of your fist, literally the back of the fist. That's called kun boy. Kun boy means the back, the fist back. And then you have the top part, the flat part that you hit with. The you know the the top part of your uh, of your fingers. That is called kun min. Kun min means the face of the fist. 
Now, the hole between your index finger and your thumb, this is called kunan, which means the eye of the fist, and the other side, the bottom, is sometimes called kunwon, or the wheel of the fist. So the flat part of your fist, or the face of the fist, um, most Wing Chun people will tell you that it's not actually about landing with the bottom three knuckles. It's about landing with that entire flat surface that is connected to those three knuckles. So we're not we're not landing just with the three knuckles. You actually land with the entire face of the fist on those bottom three fingers. So you're transferring the load to all of that. So uh, the common, uh, I, I suppose the common criticism of this punch is the so-called boxer's fracture, right? So many people have heard of this. So a boxer's fracture is basically when you break that last one or two metacarpals there on, on your hand, which is a common fracture that one boxers get hence the term boxers fracture but also people go to the er after street fights because they fire a punch having maybe never done martial arts before and they get a boxers fracture right so um the fact that people get boxers fractures in street fighting without a lot of experience using a bare fist is nothing it, it doesn't say anything about the danger of this kind of alignment it's more about the danger of punching when you don't know how to punch so th th that's kind of like that's the issue there if you take your now Jack Dempsey, have you seen the book Championship Fighting, Sean? I have not. No. So um, it's my very first Sifu, Sifu Johan, whom I also did a quarantine conversation with, and we'll be sending that one out too. Uh, was a, a student. I was a student of his in Seattle, so he practiced the style that came from James DeMille and Ed Hart, and he was the one who showed me this book. And he was like, you know, during the Seattle era. Uh, that was kind of the book that you know Bruce was very hot on, um, this Jack Dempsey book. And so uh, Jack Dempsey has a demonstration in there, which is that you basically – now he talks about – and he was the heavyweight boxing champion uh, you know, in, in very early part of the 20th century uh, where he talked about um, the, the real knockout punch is the one that's vertical and you land with the bottom three knuckles. That was his whole thing, and he called that the power line, just exactly like what you explained. The heavy low elbow, the power goes through the forearm, and it naturally goes out those bottom three knuckles. If you turn the fist down to hit with the top two, you're actually putting the wrist out of alignment. Right. So if, if you put the hand on the wall in a vertical fist and you you know have that those bottom three fingers, the face of the fist landing flush with the wall, you can walk your feet out away from the wall and lean your body weight into into the wall, into your into your fist, and see that it's a very comfortable alignment through your forearm and out that ring finger knuckle. But if you keep all your weight on that hand and you shift it to the top two knuckles, you will suddenly feel a lot more strain on the wrist and you will see that that position is not as solid, at least with the low heavy elbow, right? It's one thing if you have rotation in the punch, for example, in a jab, uh, like a corkscrew, then of course you can have a different alignment with the knuckle. But for the vertical fist, the bottom three knuckles, using this whole kind of face of the fist is really the... Uh, really the way to go in the other wing chun punches the hook punch and the lifting the hook punch of beauty the lifting punch of chum q we also use the bottom three knuckle uh landing so the face of the fist the wrist alignment is a little bit different but uh, that's something would be much easier to explain in a video than than over the podcast so um yeah there's a couple 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 ideas i had well you know and another thing i want to bring up uh, one of the first things i've heard from people especially when i was teaching to the public would be well if punching with a vertical fist is so good, I'm, why do boxes punch with a horizontal fist? You know, 
And if, if punching with the bottom three knuckles is so good, why do boxers who punch for a living punch with the top two knuckles? And it's an absolutely valid question. But what's, what's missing from the question is the boxing glove. Yes. Okay. And reps. Right. So, right. Exactly right. When a boxer punches, his hands are wrapped and he's wearing a glove. Let, I, I'm going to say 1987, 1988. Mike Tyson fought Mitch Blood Green. Not in a ring. In the street. Famous. And, and Tyson broke his hand. Yep. And why? Because he was punching like a boxer without wrist wraps and without gloves. Now, I mean, you know, and, and he was punching as he's trained to. Now, have, had he had his hands wrapped in his gloves, he would have broke Mitch Blood Green's head. But he, his hands were not wrapped, so he broke his hand. You know, so a, a, his hands wouldn't have broken, I believe, had he punched with a vertical fist because it's more structurally sound to hit. You know, yes, yeah, a boxer can punch with a horizontal fist, top two knuckles, because he's punching with a 15-ounce glove and his hands wrapped. That, that, that's a huge difference. That's not just something that's like, oh, okay, you're right, so he has gloves on. No, no. When you take a guy's hand and you wrap it, it's, it becomes like it's it becomes like a, like a rock, and then it's stuck in a, like with fourteen ounce, fifteen ounce gloves. That's all there to protect the hand, so you don't break your hands. Fighters wear gloves not to protect the target. They don't. They don't fighters don't wear boxing gloves to protect the other guy's face. They wear gloves to protect their hands. Yes. That's why they wear gloves. It's nothing to do with punching the other guy. It's a little softer on his chin. Then why wear a fucking glove? These guys are fighting. <clears throat> they wear gloves to protect their hands. Well, even in the UFC, they wear a, it's a five-ounce glove, but it's there to protect their hands. Yeah, and they still wrap their wrists, too. And they still wrap their wrist. So, yeah. and they're punching with a horizontal fist. Because of that, because because of what they do, they can throw the horizontal fist and they had that little snap into their punch. And so maybe the horizontal fist has that snap that you don't have with the vertical fist and everybody wants because they feel like that little snap at the end gives that little knockout. It does, but it also breaks your own hand because the hand is not designed to be a tool to hit things with. The hand is just not designed that way. So yes, if you're going to wrap the hand and put it in a boxing glove, then you can put it on a horizontal fist and and, and hit with the top two knuckles. But if you're going to be hitting things, hitting a person with in the street with no gloves, no wraps, and with a heavy elbow, you want to go you want to go vertical fist, bottom three knuckles because it saves your hand damage yeah absolutely 
Uh, yeah, that, that was that was really great. I think that's a, a valid point because um, we have often talked on this podcast about, you know, boxing being a gold standard for um, athleticism and essentially being something that, you know, Wing Chun people should maybe look to see the way that some boxers are training and adopt some of these ideas or perhaps wrestling. And we've talked about it before, but it's also important to realize that there's still nuance to the conversation. It doesn't mean that every single thing a boxer does is applicable for either your Wing Chun or for fighting on you know for self-defense or something like that it's it's uh you know people need to be mindful that like if we're talking about uh, like combat athletics is this term that you like to use which i think is great um yeah but sometimes there are certain things about you know the way you punch if you're not wearing gloves your wrists are not wrapped um oddly enough i feel really comfortable punching with a bare fist on uh, usually if I do heavy bag training, I will wear light gloves, not with any wrist wrap because I like my wrist to be able to move and punch at different angles. But I'll wear gloves just so that, you know, my hands don't get ripped up so I can right. go for a number of rounds. Right. But, um, you know, if I hit a wall bag or I just hit the uh, heavy bag a little bit, I actually prefer to do it bare knuckle because that's the feeling that I have when I occasionally have to hit stuff with wrist wrap and even if i wear boxing gloves to hit stuff which i do sometimes i'd never wrap my wrists because i still like i still like that flexibility in the wrist when i hit from different angles but occasionally for example if i go and train with uh uh at a boxing gym or something like that um you know the boxing coach i remember like for a while i wanted to improve my boxing so i, I went to mendez boxing in manhattan i would go there every week and the coach um dominican guy golden gloves guy you know, I would put my hands out like this. The beginning, he would wrap my hands, both hands, you know, fingers spread. He put the gloves on for me. And then, you know, for 45 minutes, um, you know, I, I was his boy. I did everything he told me to do. And I remember I would, you know, hit uh, we would hit mitts. Uh, we would hit the heavy bag and then we would do some light sparring at the end. And at the end of the training, my hands hurt so much and my wrists were killing me because they weren't used to being immobilized while right. punching and right. that that little bit of movement and adaptation we have especially from years of training hunsao where you get kind of anti-fragility 360 degrees in the wrist if you train it correctly i just feel much more comfortable punching where my wrists are actually free to adapt and i remember like i always had a great workout after the boxing i always enjoyed the sparring i enjoyed the you know holding mitts and stuff and also having a like a golden gloves level guy there kind of like throwing stuff it was really great but like the one thing that hurt my wrists were in so much pain from the immobilization so it's like it's like anything else uh athleticism is contextual you do one sport you do it really well your body makes all the adaptations to be able to do that you take that same athlete and you put them in another sport, even one that's similar, but some of the things are different, suddenly you're going to see lots of deficiencies. You're going to see things that don't really work that well. Uh, John Donaher from um, Henzo Gracie in New York talked about like talking about high level black belts in the jujitsu gym that when they first start, then they start doing their striking classes because maybe they want to transition to MMA. You're talking about guys who are absolute killers on the mat looking like total rank beginners when they're learning footwork and moving around, even though they're a black belt in jujitsu. And it's like, yeah, because this guy's a superior athlete, you know, highly contextualized combat sport. And but it's the same thing. If you're used to punching as a boxer, you're gonna have a you're gonna have some adjustments when you come to Wing Chun. If you're used to Wing Chun, you're gonna have some adjustments when you come to boxing. And that's part of the kind of hyper contextualized um, way that athleticism works. Yeah, you gotta remember folks, 
Nothing you do happens in a vacuum. So when you look at something in combat athletics or martial arts, you have to look at... You have to assume everything's done for a reason because in most intelligent systems, there will be a reason why something is done. And you have to see what that reason is and how does it play out outside of the, the realm of their reality. So if you take a boxer... He's wearing gloves and he's wearing wraps. If you take away that that idea, okay, we're going to now train this boxer to punch outside of the ring without gloves and without wraps, what would change? You know, there are things that would change. And even within the realm of boxing, like there's two general categories of wraps. There's a quote-unquote American wraps and quote-unquote Mexican wraps. You know, and the Mexican wraps are, are more elastic than the American really? wraps. Yes. Is, do they use do they use less wrapping than the American? Well, the American, well, they really wrap the crap out of your hands, man. That's right. Well, on, on both of them, they, they, they wrap the crap out of it. But the, mm. uh, the, the Mexican ones, it's, um, they, they, they get much tighter. Uh, I see. And it's not so much for the wrist. It's for the 52 little bones in your hand. Whatever, I made up that number, whatever. The little tiny bones in the hand break right. so easily that that's why you, you you wrap it up and they go in between the fingers and there's, a, there's an art form to the wrap because they know how to protect all the little bones in the hand. Yeah, the wrist is part of it. So that your wrist, because a lot of people when they punch, their wrist, if they don't hit it square on, their wrist will collapse. But the real reason for a hand wrap is to protect the hand because the hand has so many tiny little bones in it that it kind of makes it this little projectile that you can punch with so that the hand won't break. Hmm. That's the big thing for the wraps. And there's, there's different styles. There's a hundred different styles. But there's two different types of wraps. You got the American wrap, which is more like a... I don't want to say a t-shirt cloth... It's more like a, a, a very light canvas. Picture like a karate gi type cloth. And then there's the Mexican wraps, which are more like an elastic type wrap. And those, forget about it. Like, I can't stand those. Because I kind of feel like it's... Your hand gets so tight. And you have to be careful. You, you, can't, just, just, you can't just do it. Because if you, if, you, if you cut off the blood to your fingertips, that's not good also. So... Right. Make sure you look at everything within the realms of the sport and understand that there are experts in things for a reason. So before you just say, oh, I want to learn how to wrap my hands, let me look at a YouTube video of some idiot wrapping his hands and he's wrong. You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to cut off the blood, bloodstream to your, to your fingers. Right. But un- understand why they're wearing, they're wearing those wraps. Understand it's to protect their hands, not so much their wrists. I mean, protecting their wrists is part of it. But it's the bones in the hands that they're really looking at. And you got to understand why are there two different types of wraps? There's more than two, but there's primarily two. And why are the styles different? Everything, you know, everything happens for a reason. And we shouldn't, especially in combat athletics and martial arts, just assume we understand the reason because we watch, especially because if we watch a YouTube video. You know, so you have to really. You know, I would love to, like, it would be awesome to chat with the guy who was wrapping your hands. Yeah. 
as to why he did things a certain way. And I, you know, and I'm sure nowhere along the line it's going to be because this is how my coach did it. He's going to say, right. "Oh no, I did this because when you punch this punch, this bone breaks." So I I wrap that to hold that all together. It's almost like you know, um, if you had a bunch of chopped meat with bones in it, if you don't wrap it up nice and tight, the first punch you throw is going to kind of all fall apart. Right. <laughs> so that's 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 a primary thing. So uh, yeah, he, he he wouldn't he wouldn't have said I'm wrapping it this way because this is the fourth generation hand wrap passed over by exactly you know, right <laughs> Grandmaster Pablo of the Mexican bo- boxing system. Right, you know, exactly uh, right. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Uh, Joe Rogan did a podcast with um, GSP, but and not the one that he did like a year and a half ago, but like way 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 back in the day. And they were having a conversation about you know whether they should do away with because one of Joe's things is he always talks about changing the rules in MMA like you know changing the gloves because there's a lot of eye pokes and like maybe no gloves this glove that glove so it's kind of like a a pet topic of his that comes up a lot and he mentioned to GSP like oh you know yeah if people uh if we didn't have gloves in MMA people would have to you know really learn to punch with the top two knuckles and GSP goes no you have to I can't do the GSP accent he's like no you have to punch with the bottom three. And then Joe was like, wait a minute. He's like, yes. He goes, because that's how you don't break your hand. And I always remember that because obviously as a Wing Chun geek, it's like, oh, the bottom three. And I remember like GSP like had to correct Joe Rogan on that. It's like, no, no, no. It is not the top two. It's the bottom three. And I remember like that was like, ah, see, like this guy knows something, right? Which is really incredible. There's a difference between punching with gloves and punching without gloves. And so, and uh, he knew about it. So I don't know if it's from the Dempsey book or someone else told him, or maybe he's also a Bruce Lee fan. But um, yeah, it seems to be the common consensus among people who have also transitioned from punching without gloves or with gloves to without. They kind of like you kind of figure certain things out. If someone didn't tell you, you probably figure it out on your own eventually. Right. And when you see the guys, especially the old time boxers, a lot of old time boxers punch with a vertical fist. And the reason they punch with a vertical fist is because the gloves were crap back then. Yeah, and and the very early boxing didn't even have gloves. So when right. you, you would even look at the position, it looked actually eerily similar to Wing Chun. Two hands in front of your chest, your head back, hands away. Why? Because you don't have gloves to hide behind. To hide behind. Yeah. You know, they, the early, early time boxers punched with a, a vertical fist because their gloves suck. It was only the, the you know, the... the the, the flip over horizontal fist boxing happened as improvements were made in hand wrapping and gloves, you know? And now when you have you know, your hands wrapped that they're now like basically little steel balls on the ends of your arms and then they're stuck in 14 ounce gloves, you can do anything you want with your hands, but you take all that off and, and you have to be very protective. And, and just as another little pet peeve of mine, this was a great topic, Joshua. I'm really happy you wrote this in. Yeah. I, I I can't tell you the amount of people that like said have said to me over the years, what do you do for hand conditioning? And I usually tell them that I, I never really do hand conditioning. And some people do, and that's great. Do some sort of hand knuckle conditioning. But folks, some people are nuts. So they're like, oh, yeah, well, I know Sifu so-and-so who would take this little hammer and hit their knuckles with the hammer 
and then the bones would break a little bit, and then they, when the bones would heal, it healed stronger than it was before. And yeah, dude, if you want to sure, be able sure to, about that, <laughs> if you want to be able to wipe your own ass when you hit sixty, and not have to pay someone to do it, don't break your hands. Don't 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 sit there and punch brick walls. Life advice. You know, it's like punching brick walls is dumb. Like you know, there's a reason. There's a reason people use gloves. There's a reason people use padded heavy bags and not steel heavy bags. You know, if 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 you could punch brick and not destroy your hands, people would be punching brick all the time. You know, yeah, absolutely. Don't punch yeah, brick. It, it, it it's it's really a cost benefit analysis. So like you can look <laughs> exactly at it in a right. very very kind of practical way. Okay. Let's say, so how many fights do you expect to get in? I'm like, okay, we're not talking about someone being a professional. How many fights do you expect to get in in the rest of your life? Let's say maybe two fights, okay? And that would be a lot. So how much are you going to be punching someone in the head compared to how much time you're going to spend potentially ruining your hands for these two potential fights that you might get in maybe? You know, if you knock somebody out and you have a sprained wrist after the fight, you'd still be the winner and you would nurse your sprained wrist and you'd go back to your life. But the idea that you have to do all this ridiculous amounts of conditioning for your for your wrists and your, your fists just for this one off chance that you're going to punch someone squarely in the face is kind of ridiculous considering, you know, you're going to have arthritis by the time you're in older age because you're just banging your fist against a hard object and it really, really doesn't make any sense. And I, uh, my first Sivu Sivu Johan, who uh, I, again I said we did the quarantine conversation with, he said when I he's like you want to land with proper alignment with a lot of power, and when you're old you still want to be able to play the piano. He's like right. that's, that's what, we, what we want to be able to do, right? And so I think that that's uh, that um, is kind of a good way to look at it. So and uh, and, and one more thing, folks, I just heard that. Um the rapper 50 Cent thinks that he could beat the shit out of Conor McGregor. <laughs> if they were, just hit bankruptcy. If, if, he needs if, money. If, you were in, if they were in a street fight. With all due respect to Mr. 50 Cent. Mr. Cent. It's Mr. Cent. <laughs> with all due respect to Mr. Cent, the rules of MMA would be there to protect Conor from killing you. Yes. A street fight... You would be dead like within thirty seconds of the fight. Yeah, for sure. You, you, for sure. There's, there's nothing you could do to stop Connor from hitting you. Yeah, that I don't the think rule, the, the rule, difference would. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, Connor would definitely can, kill him. You know what Connor could do with his footwork alone? Yeah. Fifty yeah. Cent would be falling over. <laughs> he would literally well, be falling over. By the way, Sean, I don't know if you saw this. But Mike Tyson posted a video. Today oh, I saw that. Yeah, I saw where that. He was hitting the mitts at his age. And I tell you what, <laughs> it's not like, oh, yeah, look, he's like older now or whatever. Yeah, that motherfucker kill somebody. If it wasn't for the fact that he had gray hair and he looks a little older, if if that could have easily been one of his old videos of him training back in the day, it was scary to watch him hit those mitts. Could you imagine having. That man angry at you, like no, no. <laughs> it's it, it, it's like the old the old saying goes. How does every Mike Tyson joke begin with? By looking over your shoulder, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's so everyone, true. 
everyone has a Mike Tyson impression, but can you imagine someone goes final and he walked in the room? I don't oh think you could God. measure that amount of fear on any scale, right? Like they would oh, be, God. they would be totally crazy. By the way, um, I want to give a little uh, tip for our uh, for our listeners. Um, Dominic Cruz speaking about insane footwork. Dominic Cruz is one of the MMA fighters with probably like the craziest footwork in terms of the way he kind of moves in and out and the way he can really avoid taking damage he just put on his website a free footwork tutorial it's like eight videos of step-by-step instruction with footwork drills and it's not basic standard boxing it's like how he moves and how he angles against punches and it's footwork drills. And I've been doing them for the last few days just because like during this quarantine time, I figure I also just want to learn a lot of new stuff. So I've been doing these drills and it's amazing and it's for free. So you can go to Dominic Cruz's website and there's like a free tutorial there. You just got to sign up and get like a login. It's amazing. His footwork's amazing. And uh, if you guys have a little bit of time, I definitely recommend doing that. And also, I don't know if I mentioned this on the last podcast. I might have, but I'm going to mention it again, even if I did. Jean-Claude Van Damme is teaching tutorials on YouTube on how to do the Van Damme splits. But the gag is this. He's going about it in a very slow, step-by-step an orderly way so like the like he only released four lessons and the lessons are like very gentle like shoulder movements neck movements hip openers like the kind of stuff literally anyone can do and slowly day by day he does more and more hip openers so it's like the most gentle route to be able to increase your flexibility for things like side kicks and splits but i have to say Although he's, you can definitely, he's still a little Hollywood. Like he's, sometimes he'll go off and start talking about stuff. You're like, what are you talking about? He is actually a very good instructor in movements. Like he's teaching very step by step. And he's like, take it really easy. He's like, go. And his posture is really amazing. He talks about posture. He talks about alignment. I tell you, like, I didn't think much of it, but I started like watching and I go like, this is actually really quite good. So JCV, uh, JCVD uh, page on YouTube. Uh, he's got a few lessons there, um, you know, step by step. Every day he's releasing one. It's very gentle, very easy, step by step, how to improve hip and general mobility. I actually can totally recommend it. It's pretty awesome, and it's Jean Claude Van Damme. So what are you gonna say? So anyway, there you go. That's my that's, that's cool. my that's my tip for you guys. Dominic Cruz and Jean Claude Van Damme. Go learn some stuff. So after the quarantine, you got uh, Van Damme splits, and you got crazy MMA footwork. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. Awesome, awesome, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, yep. Looking forward to doing this again. We'll have a couple quarantine conversations coming out here and there for you guys some more patreon stuff i think i already have a, like three or four patreon things that are in the pipe ready to go so uh those of you who support us on um patreon again that's patreon.com slash d-o-k-f um you know we definitely appreciate all the support we're getting from you guys we have great content for you guys and a lot more cool stuff coming so thanks again for all of that all right folks good talking to you and we'll talk to you next week take care bye-bye Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. 
This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the Dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!